everybody. Welcome to this week's Learning the Tropes. I'm Aaron, And I'm Clayton. And I'm your romance novel veteran. And I'm a virgin. And we're your hosts. So, this week we are doing our August preview. So we're going to let you know what's coming up for August, what you can read. As a very special, extra little touch of something, we have uh, Vanessa Zoltan from the Hot and Bothered podcast. So we talk with her about romance novels and writing romance, and it's a really, really fun uh, conversation. So stay tuned for that. Um, But before we get started with our recs, I realized... So I went and did my, it seems like every three months now I'm going to the Ripped Bodice. And I realized I was remiss in that I gave you a present, but it was only like half a present. So I have the- Oh my gosh, are you kidding me right now? I have the other half of the present here for you. So I'm handing oh Clayton a bag gosh. from the Ripped Bodice. He doesn't know what's in it. I, I kind of have maybe I mean- an idea of what it is, but- Okay, this is Again the Magic by Lisa Claypass. So this is the preview, the .05 of The Wallflowers. Oh my gosh. And then I think I know what this next one, am I a good boy? Is this because I'm a good boy? A Wallflower Christmas. (laughs) In In July. July. (laughs) That's so amazing. Oh my gosh. So now you have the complete wallflower set until we don't have the wallflower children. There's a lot more we can go with it, but you have all of the OG wallflowers. Oh my gosh. Again, the magic. Okay. And I love that all this time I've been telling people that again, the magic was a novella. And then I looked at it. I was like, no, it's an actual book. No. It's a full book. Gosh, the woman, you can't see the full woman on the cover, but on the spine you can. And she is a fox. Let me see. Man. Oh, yeah. Aileen uh, is her name. So this happens before the Wallflower books. So this is Marcus's two sisters. So it's a twofer. It mostly is about Aileen and her falling in love with the stable boy. I'm very, I'm so excited. And Marcus is all over this place. So, you know, it's great. Can I, uh, we're going to read, we're going to read this in, in December though, right? We're we'll going to do the wall, this. But I was there. I don't know That's if I'm going to get back there before December. I might read it before December. I can't stop you. And we'll do again the magic, I'm sure, soon. Okay. I, we've done so many clay paths, but you know what? We got to read the series with Cam in it. So the we Hathaways. definitely, we got, we got to do the Hathaways at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we should just do occasional months that are clay pass months of the four books. Yeah. Because our audience loves them. We love them. Why not? Yeah. And the Hathaways are amazing. And I think, too, if you have a like three to four book series that you want us to read, Pitch it to us. Email Mm -hmm. us. Let us know why we should read it because I think the series end up being really, really fun. Um, So I'm down to read another series. I mean, I love The Hathaways. I love um, – Sarah McLean has the Rules of Scoundrel series that I love. That's a four-book series. Obviously, Julia Quinn has the Bridgertons. That's like eight. So we probably won't be doing all of the Bridgertons. We're certainly going to do some Bridgertons. Um, Uh, But those are also all um, historical. So if you have a modern one or something that you think it would be worth it, definitely always email us at learningthetropespodcast at gmail.com. And we would love to hear from you and we'll consider it. And we're not going to say we're going to do it for sure. Mm -hmm. But we'll always take it under consideration. We will vet vet these Mm -hmm. before we actually pull the trigger. Because that's one book is a certain amount of, uh, you know, investment. But a series is a whole nother level of investment. Right. We need to know that we want to live in this world for a month. Mm-hmm. We wanted to live in the wallflower world still. I still miss it. <laughs> it's so good. 
Ah, uh, she's a wonder. She is. Um, one day maybe we'll meet her. Yeah, I mean, I hope. Yeah. And then we'll say, we love you. Yeah. <laughs> and then she'll be like, okay, and she won't really understand, and then we'll walk away. Yeah, yeah. And we'll be very sweaty, and we'll talk about it <laughs> to each other, and then it'll be a big moment for us. We'll tell you how yes. big the moment was for us. She won't remember five minutes no, later. Uh, she'll no. turn around and forget it. Mm-hmm, yeah. That we ever existed. <laughs> and I'm okay with it. Yeah, that's where we belong. Yeah. <laughs> we, we shouldn't be taking up time in our memory. That would be awful. Absolutely. Anyway, we're unfortunately not reading a clay pass this month, but... Why don't you start us off with our first book? Well, this one is, uh, seems to be the talk of the town. (laughs) Everybody's talking about this book. So we're going to actually pull the trigger and do it. Uh, It's called Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuiston. McQuiston? As you all know, I cannot uh, read names very well, but... Red, White, and Royal Blue is a big-hearted romantic comedy in which first son Alex falls in love with Prince Henry of Wales after an incident of international proportions forces them to pretend to be best friends. First son Alex Claremont Diaz is the closest thing to a prince this side of the Atlantic. With his intrepid sister and the Veep's genius granddaughter, they're the White House trio, a beautiful millennial marketing strategy for his mother, President Elaine Claremont. International socialite duties do have downsides, namely when photos of a confrontation with his longtime nemesis, Prince Henry, at a royal wedding leak to the tabloids and threaten American-British relations. The plan for damage control? Staging a fake friendship between the first son and the prince. Alex is busy enough handling his mother's bloodthirsty opponents and his own political ambitions without an uptight royal slowing him down. But beneath Henry's prince-charming veneer? There's a soft-hearted eccentric with a dry sense of humor and more than one ghost haunting him. Ooh, juicy. <laughs> As President Claremont kicks off her re-election bid, Alex finds himself hurtling into a secret relationship with Henry that could derail the campaign and upend two nations. And Henry throws everything into question for Alex, an impulsive, charming guy who thought he knew everything. What is worth the sacrifice? How do you do all the good you can do? And most importantly... How will history remember you? Wow. There's a little Hamilton down at the end there. Yeah. Um, yeah, That this seems really uh, interesting. I mean, it is. It seems like everywhere we go, everybody we talk to mentions this book. And so I thought, let's, let's tackle it. Let's, me and you, tackle one of these blockbuster most talked about books and do it in our own style. Funky flavor. <laughs> Give it a little funky flavor <laughs> that we're known for. Nobody can see Clay, but he's just like swiveling in his chair like he's a jazz yeah, player. Yeah, funky. Mm. Yeah. No, I'm excited because everyone says how much that they love it. Um, and as you know, we do read a lot for the podcast. And so I always like it when it's a book that I'm like already excited to read because then, you know, two birds, one stone. So I love it. I'm excited for this. I've heard only really, really good things. Yeah. It's got a juicy premise, which I like. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this seems cool. And and it's a it's a queer romance. And we've done a few before this, but I think this is cool that we're doing like such a high profile one. Yeah, it is great that this seems to have really like broken through um, because obviously queer romances aren't as represented um, in the genre as they should be and they should be. So we're always happy to celebrate. So, yeah, I'm excited. Get started. 
Nice, Aaron. Well, what's our now? Again, these aren't necessarily in order, or mm-hmm. are they? Okay, they're so sure. Well, let's let's just do these. Lock order. it in. Okay, let's lock it in. It doesn't really matter. So cool. We'll do it. So these are in order. A hundred percent. No going back. No, no, no take backsies. No take backs. These are in order. Um, so this next, we got a really lovely email from Micah actually a while ago. Um, and she talks about, um, her opening paragraph, uh, she says to us, uh, I just discovered your podcast and I've been binging it hard this weekend. We had a snowstorm. So obviously this was quite a while ago. It is now July. Um, so I stayed home and read dreaming of you in bed. It was delicious. And I can't thank you enough for bringing this genre back into my life. Um, she goes on to talk about how, uh, she lives in Toronto and how big Harlequin was up there and her father played for the Har- Harlequin uh, hockey team. Isn't that fun? Wait, wait so like Harlequin, the book uh, company. Yeah. They had a hockey team. I think they were based in Toronto. So it's like any big company has like teams and stuff for like intramural sports. So he worked for Harlequin and was on the hockey. That is so – that's like having a baseball team here. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. It makes yeah. sense. It tracks. Uh, and her mother worked as a copyright lawyer uh, at Harlequin as well. So a lot of connections to Harlequin. Um, and she talks about how one of her uh, friends um, moved into a new house and there was like a musty smell and it ended up being a giant box of Harlequin books <laughs> that were living under the sink. Um, so and she talks about them and she says, I got to say, they were very different from the books you were exploring on the podcast now. For one, those books had no actual sex in them. Sometimes they didn't even kiss until the last page. Another thing, none of those heroines seemed to have any sex drive at all. They'd be in some dude's arms and they would just find their hands and would say somehow be on the man's body and they'd be shocked just shocked i remember one novel where the heroine is like 17 maybe and has no concept of sex at all but there is an extended spanking scene (laughs) i think i know which one that is (laughs) um i wish i could reread that book as an adult feminist and after listening to learning the tropes i'm kind of curious to know what you guys experts in the modern genre would think about these books from the 50s and 60s of course there have been huge changes in society and sexual politics since then but do the tropes hold up i think they might uh, I know it's much easier to cover a book, uh, cover books which are in print, but if at all possible, would you consider covering an old romance novel on the podcast? I think it could be a really fun episode. Thank you guys again for your podcast. Not only did it bring romance novels back into my life, but it is so nice to listen to two people who have a sweet, good-natured, funny discussions about books that have been denigrated for too long. Romance makes me happy. Thank you for reminding me that there is no shame in that. Ah, that's so nice. Thank you so much, Mika. Yeah, that was such a sweet email. And that email was great, too, and I love those old, that, like, that whole, you know, the whole thing about <laughs> being raised around Harlequin and all that is so cool and interesting. Send us a picture of your dad's Harlequin hockey jersey if you have it. Please do. We would love to see it. Or him playing. Yes. A hot dad. Maybe we want to see it. <laughs> Pick the hottest picture of your dad. <laughs> and send it over. <laughs> yeah. Um, so your prayers have been answered. Uh, we are going to be reading um, Prisoner of My Desire by Joanna Lindsay. Um, and so here's the back copy, uh, Captive of Love. This is, it's, it starts out great yes. and keeps getting greater. Spirited Rowena Bellamy must produce an heir or incur the dangerous wrath of a ruthless stepbrother who stands to forfeit his ill-gotten wealth. 
And the magnificent Warwick de Cheville is the perfect choice to sire her child, though it means imprisoning the handsome knight and forcing him to bend to her amorous whims. Slave of passion, vowing to resist but betrayed by his own virility, noble Warwick is intoxicated by Rowena's sapphire eyes and voluptuous beauty, yet all the while he plans a fitting revenge, eagerly awaiting the time when his sensuous captor becomes his helpless captive and is made to suffer the same rapturous torment and exquisite ecstasy that he himself has endured. Whew! Wow. Whoa! That is... Gonna be intense. Now, did you say the name of this book? It is Prisoner of My Desire by Joanna Lindsay. Do you know what year? Published in 1991. Oh, okay. So it's not that old. I still think it's considered old school. When do you think the change happened? The 2000s. 2000s was I think, big yeah. Diff- okay. Yeah, I would say probably. We should read a 50s or 60s one just like for funsies. Knowing that it's probably, I know that a lot of them are out of print, but I'm sure we could find them somewhere, like thrift books or something. I think that is your job. I'll do it. Between now and whenever we do it, find us a 50s or 60s romance. I'll do it. <laughs> you guys heard it. Unless I edit this out. <laughs> mm, but you end up, you find yourself in used bookstores a lot. So. Yeah, so I'll look on the, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um. So that is Prisoner of My Desire. And this uh, is... A very well-known one? Is that why we picked it? Well, and she, Joanna Lindsay, is a massive writer. Okay. Like, she has written a lot of really, really big ones. So I think, you know, she'll be pretty emblematic of what was happening in the culture at that time. I mean, this also sounds particularly insane, which I'm excited about. Nice. Just a good bonkers, what are we doing here? Mm-hmm. Love story. Sounds great. Romance. Yes. There's a difference. hmm Yeah. Because romance ends happily ever after. And a love story doesn't necessarily... The teacher, the teached, the student becomes the teacher. <laughs> the teached becomes the teacher. <laughs> what beautiful quotes. Yes. Um, so our last book for this month, and guys, I'm taking all credit or all blame for this one. All credit. Um, here's an email from Feelings of a Bookaholic book blog. Hi, guys. I absolutely adore your podcast and listen to it religiously every week. Now, you've read a book with nodding, Fury, and uh, Male Male Romance, Hothead. I feel it only makes sense, you guys. This is great. I feel it only makes sense you guys should try reading some Male Preg (laughs) (laughs) or M Preg. I say Male Preg. It's M Preg. Male Pregnancy. You got to get it right. Yeah. I know the M Preg people are going to be very upset. Yeah. They're Uh, all over semantics. Yep, you read that right, is what it says in the email. (laughs) Um, I recommend Slow Heat by Lita Blake. It's super sexy and outrageous, but also really sweet, emotional, and well-developed. I'm sure neither of you have read Mpreg before. Correct. And possibly never even heard of it. Yes. Yes. No, I had heard of it. You had. I had not. And sure, this book is wild, but oh so great. It would make for a great podcast. And I agree. Um, so we're doing it. We're reading Slow Heat. This is from The Flap, right? This is, we're flapping. We're flapping. I mean, I know that like authors and everyone doesn't always like the flap copy, but it's what we got. And so it's what we're going with. And so. it just gives somebody an idea as to whether they want to read this or just listen to the episode. Right. I think. Exactly. Slow Heat. Heat of Love, number one. 
a lustful young alpha meets his match in an older omega with a past. Now, I don't know what an omega is. No, me neither. This is going to be such a learning experience. Professor Vale, a man, has crafted a good life for himself. An unbonded omega in his mid-30s, he's long since given up hope that he'll meet a compatible alpha, let alone his destined mate. He's fulfilled by his career, his poetry, his cat, and his friends. When Jason Sable, a much younger alpha, imprints on Vale in a shocking and public way, longings are ignited that can't be ignored. Fighting their strong sexual urges, Jason and Vale must agree to contract with each other before they can consummate their passion. But for Vale, being with Jason means giving up his independence and placing his future in the hands of an untested alpha, as well as facing the scars of his own tumultuous past. He isn't sure it's worth it, but Jason isn't giving up his destined mate without a fight. Um, yeah, I uh, don't know what is going on <laughs> because I don't know what an Omega is and I don't know why they're imprinting on each other because they seem human. Yeah. I this, don't know. Guys, this is going to be a wild ride. Yeah. Um, and it, it's just, I was just very curious about Empreg. And we and, won't, and they'll be satisfied now. Yeah. And so that's the thing is like, I, you know, I, I'm curious about all the genres and subgenres of romance. And I think, it's very interesting to do something really outside of our comfort zone um, mm-hmm. and just see how <laughs> we like it. So right, it's going to be very interesting. We didn't think we would like whatever new species is, but we loved it. Whatever, the, yeah, whatever that is. I don't know is. what subgenre that is, like splice DNA, because it's not shifter. No. We, we've had a tough time with shifters. Yes. Um, yeah, maybe we'll love it. Maybe we'll get really into em- like too into Embrag. <laughs> We're like how we were so into Lisa Claypass. Now we're like, ah, no, we're we do we're into Impreg now. <laughs> I mean, we're going to read it with an open mind, like we read everything. Absolutely, and that's the thing is that uh, we know people like these books, and we got a recommendation f- about it. So, and it's very highly rated on Goodreads. Yeah, so it's interesting, and that's the thing we love about romance. There's so many different things, so many different areas to explore. All right, so those are the books. So we have uh, Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuizen. We have Prisoner of My Desire by Joanna Lindsay, and then we have Slow Heat by Lita Blake. Mm-hmm. So go put your hold on download them to your kindle whatever however you get the books get the books uh read along with us this august um we will have on instagram uh the specific dates for each of the episodes so that you can plan um if you are in the learning the tropes troop you already know all this info it's old info and i'm sorry but stick around for our interview with the host of the hot and bothered podcast vanessa zoltan um we really love talking with her about her love of julia quinn and writing and romance and everything so uh stay tuned for that All right, great. So uh, now we are going to be talking to uh, Vanessa Zoltan, who is the host of a brand new podcast called Hot and Bothered, uh, which we are super excited about and really excited to talk to her about. So um, thanks so much for joining us, Vanessa. Hi, Vanessa. Hi, thank you both so much for having me. Of course. So you're a relatively new romance reader. I am. Um, I start... So yes and no, right? Mm-hmm. Because like I, to the traditional capital R romance, yes. But like Jane Eyre has been my favorite book since I was 14. And then obviously I'm a big Austin fan. I'm a nerd. And all of my favorite books are romantic. 
And so, um, but yeah, I didn't really understand what romance was until, are you guys okay with me being political? I also should have asked if it's okay to do pickups if you edit. Sorry. So basically what happened is Donald Trump got elected (laughs) and I spiraled into Mm -hmm. a um, constant state of panic and depression. And that is when I realized that the difference between romance novels and romantic novels is really just that if it is qualified as a romance, you are guaranteed a happily ever after. And as an antidote to my like constant fear and anxiety, um, having a guaranteed happily ever after really seemed to be, um, a wonderful way to handle that. So, yeah. And then, um, and then I just felt like the news just like kept getting worse and worse Mm -hmm. and the climate report came out. And so romance novels no longer had the same like drug hit that I needed. I needed like more optimism and hope in my life. Um, and so I started writing my own romance novel just, you know, for fun. Um, and it was such a fun practice that I decided to give it as a prescription to 10 of my friends. And so Hot and Bothered is just us tracking my 10 friends, writing their romance novels really as a form of self-care. And so you've only released one episode that is somebody writing their novel. So is that going to be the format every week will be another one person's full journey. Exactly. So we have sort of A episodes and B episodes. And our A episodes are my friend and I talking about their process of writing a romance novel. And then the B episodes are us talking to a romance novelist um, or some expert in the field of romance. Um, Basically, we give them a Reddit question and use it as an excuse to talk about one of the tropes Mm -hmm. and the real life consequences of being voracious romance readers um and so yeah that's how it'll go and it'll be a 20 episode first season um and we'll see from there I loved Alyssa Cole on the episode and that was I mean she's amazing yeah but that reddit question was so horrific (laughs) (laughs) yeah so what we do is we read um just like a reddit question of People asking for love advice, and my friend Julia and I, Julia and I um, you know, give our completely amateur idiotic advice, and then we go to an actual expert, someone like the brilliant Alyssa Cole, um, who just ripped this man to shreds, <laughs> um, and it was really delightful. And what was so interesting to me about that, actually, was that Julia and Alyssa ended up having the exact same response, which is run away from any man who talks down about other women in order to build you wet. Like that is not right. Like as Alyssa said, like that's not the fairy tale. It's not a man who rips down other women. Who says like all other women are bad except you. Yeah. That's not a hero. That's someone with really bad opinions of women. (laughs) Right. That's a misogynist who is, uh, yeah. Using misogyny to manipulate you. That is not. So, um, yeah, it was, a really great conversation and she's obviously amazing yeah that's not the fantasy but I have a similar story for how I started reading romance where it was oh, yeah? almost literally the same in that <laughs> the same person was elected and then I also immediately started spiraling and just needed that happily ever after my thing was that I um am married so I sleep in the same bed as my husband and I would be up from like 
1 a.m. to 5 a.m. every night just spiraling. And so I just would read books that entire time to just like calm my brain down. Yeah. Uh, and then you end up reading like 150. <laughs> because <laughs> I yeah. read every Julia Quinn novel and she, she now is 28. There were only 27 at the time. I read every single one in under two months because it was it really was like the psychological it, it was sucking my thumb. Right. It was literary mm-hmm. thumb sucking. Um, because otherwise really I did it to stop donating myself into poverty. Like I was just like, how much more money can I give to the ACLU? How much more money can I give to save dogs from these hurricanes? And like, (laughs) I, right. Like, well, and not just because I'm like a white lady who felt like I couldn't do any, I like, I just couldn't figure out what to do. Um, and so now there's a little more calmness and a little more strategy um, and not just I'm awake and anxious. Um, and I do, I think that, you know, the other thing that was happening, as you both know, is the Me Too movement, right? We were finding mm-hmm. out that there's like, and again, we just found out again the full extent, right? Like Harry Weinstein, Donald Trump, and Jeffrey Epstein are freaking friends right there is a cabal of men who are something that we all sensed in our bodies for so long that they're like literally organizing um to treat women badly and so I think that I know that there are good men but it's easy to forget um in the news cycle and so I think I just wanted to start telling myself different stories so that it you know um so that I don't just start saying, like, all men are bad. Because I know that's not true, but sometimes it can really start to look that way if you're only consuming a certain kind of media. Um, yeah. And and what do you think, because, you know, you decided to start writing um, in order to sort of, like, create a different world for yourself and, and invited 10 friends to do it as well. What do you think is unique about romance that made you want to create that world versus like sci-fi or fantasy or other world building type genres? Yeah, it really is the guaranteed happily ever after. Um, And it, the, so two friends of mine who were having a really hard time getting pregnant, um, who they had a hard time getting pregnant and then um, one of them had miscarriage, they chose the trope secret baby. And Mm -hmm. it was just important for them to be talking about, you know, they're a lesbian couple and they were like, can you imagine how fun it would be to get accidentally pregnant? (laughs) Um, And so I think, you know, everybody is bringing these like deep concerns. My sister-in-law was pregnant when she started writing um, and she was very anxious about not liking being a mom. And so she picked the trope love at first sight because she basically wanted to confront the fact that she does not believe in love at first sight and was afraid she'd meet her baby and not really love it. Um, and so I think that what's so cathartic about romance novels is that y- you're, you can go to the darkest places, right? In some of these Regency no- uh, novels that I know that you guys have talked a lot about, right? Like there are kidnappings and like mm-hmm. you think someone is dead, um, and, but you can go to the darkest of places because you know it's going to end in the light. Um, and that's, Right. Like that's the difference. Um, and there's just something, you know, I come from a chaplaincy background and so there's, 
there's something very sacred about that to me, about saying we live in a world in which there's so much to despair over, and I, over and over again, am going to choose hope, and I'm not going to gloss over the despair, but I'm going to, I'm going to go to the despair and choose hope, um, and I think that that's, that's what all good romance novels do. There's always a, you know, a black moment, a moment in which you think that the couple is broken up, uh, where you think someone is dead. They all confront despair. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think that they're special in that way. What's also really super interesting about your podcast too, is that you, it's actually, people can follow along and write their own romance novels with, you know, cause, cause you guys are talking about the process and, um, you know, giving homework and stuff, which I think is really, really interesting. Yeah. It's one of, it's one of my other favorite things about romance novels is how invitational the community of romance writers is. When you ask someone what it takes to be a romance writer, you know, like the really successful professional ones, they will tell you anyone can be a romance writer. And that seems to be uh, an ethic that um, the romance community has. And they don't pretend that it isn't hard, but they, they, they focus on the invitational aspect of it. Whereas I feel like so many professions and hobbies, people are always talking about the barriers to entry. But with romance, it's like, oh, like anyone with a sexy imagination and a pen can write a <laughs> romance novel. Um, and that said, of course, it, you know, it's a, it's a difficult thing. And it's certainly, you know, difficult to do well, which is um, why we have these goddesses who do so well at it. But, um, but yeah, we, we've broken it up into 10 assignments over 20 weeks. And the goal is just um, a 10,000 word novella for everybody to, you know, just try their hand at it. Um, and yeah, we're going to walk everybody through, you know, how the meet cute to the first kiss to the first sex scene to that, um, the moment of, you know, where you think that they might not figure out how to be together to the happily ever after. Um, and yeah, people are writing along with us and posting online what they're writing and it's amazing. I know, bringing more and more romance into the world. It's really lovely. I mean, we all need more love, so. <laughs> That's so funny because when, you know, I started, when we started this podcast, I think the thing that um, our producer Pat and Clayton were constantly remarking on was like how nice everybody was. Like everyone who wrote into us was so nice and respectful. All of our comments were nice and respectful. And I know that's not for all of Romance Andy, like, you know, like anywhere it can be mean, but the overwhelming thing is how nice everyone is. And I just spent, yeah, the last few days at RWA and everyone is so nice there too. And I do think there's something about it being a majority female space. Um, that lends itself to that sort of higher level of like kindness or just looking out for each other. Yeah. So, um, my two podcast experiences are with Harry Potter and romance novels. And so, um, everybody is incredibly kind in both of those fandoms. Oh, good. And I think that actually it's just, it's about the message of the fandoms, right? Those are both fandoms in which love conquers. Um, and I think that if you're going to gather people around two things that the, the message is love conquers all, um, I think they're going to be trying to live up to that ethic. Right. So I certainly think it's 
the few times I've gotten hateful things is when I've spoken out about sports. <laughs> sports are awful. Sports uh, are terrible. Everybody go read a romance novel. Yeah. Read a sports romance, you know? Yes, absolutely. Yes. There's plenty oh of those. God. We loved Playing Off the Field by Naima Simone, if you are looking for one. Mm-hmm. There it's a good go. I'm yeah. writing friends to lovers. down right now. <laughs> it's a friends uh, to lovers if you like that. Which, yeah. Oh, it's one of my favorite tropes. I love friends to lovers. Well, speaking of that, so we are learning the tropes. And mm-hmm. the conceit of this podcast is sort of I am more experienced romance reader. Clayton is a virgin. And I, we're sort of going through all the tropes in romance. As you know, tropes being a very positive thing in romance where I, I'm, other genres, maybe it's not so positive. What are your favorite tropes? Yeah. So it's such a good question. I um, I love Friends to Lovers because I love reading about different philosophies about what the difference is between a friend and a lover. Mm-hmm. And I think that everybody has a different idea of what it is. And I am most interested in the ones in which there's more of a difference between a friend and a lover than French. Uh, being in a couple is not friendship with sex, right? It's like a totally different dynamic. And so I, I feel like romance is a really great place to think about that. Um, and I, there's so many trips that I love. I love reunited lovers because it's all about forgiveness. Um, I love enemies to lovers because it's usually about misunderstandings. And I think we are all misunderstanding each other all the time. Um, and I would more say that there are tropes that some authors can really pull them off for me. Like Julia Quinn pulled off a secret baby trope, but like secret baby as a trope is really hard for me. Yeah. Um, any teacher student trope is really hard for me. I'm like, no, you're violating, <laughs> um, a secret boundary. Um, I, yeah, I don't like big power differences, I would say. Those, so those tropes are hard for me. And the hardest trope for me, although I have read a couple really great ones, are love at first sight tropes. I hate love at first sight as an idea. What yeah, you, I, yeah. Yeah. What about you guys? I, I think love at first sight is really difficult unless you're in a paranormal. Yes. Yeah, I think paranormal is easier, but when it's two humans, it's, it seems really fanciful yeah. and impossible to pull off. Well, the yeah. reason – so it's funny. The reason – one of the reasons why I wanted to do this podcast, uh, podcast and started to do this podcast was because there was a lack of romance in my life. So it wasn't – for me, I actually read the books not really for the sex. I read them for like the romance and the connection. So what I love to read is two people learning to love each other and doing that work. And it's not just the sexual tension or stuff, which is great, but it's not the sexuality that really gets, it's the love. It's the, you know, two people caring for each other and being there for each other. And so that's why the love at first sight trope for me too is like, well, but they don't really know each other and they the love is not deep enough. Now it can deepen in these books, but yeah, love at first sight, not my favorite. Yeah. Um, I don't like friends to lovers, but like in modern times, I'm like, if you like, like then just start dating them. I don't understand what the, what the problem is, mm-hmm. but scoring off the field by name is Simone is perfectly done. Um, with that trope and the reasons you believe the reasons and then it is so much sweeter when they do overcome them um, in such a great way. So I think it's like even a trope I don't enjoy in the hands of the right author, 
I'm putty. I love it. So, yeah, I mean, that's the fun thing about tropes. But there are definitely the ones that are more exciting. I mean, I just love um, one bed. One bed, yep. As a trope of just like, we're here and, oh, there's only one bed. And it's great. (laughs) (laughs) A leap year. (laughs) Oh, yeah, exactly. I love uh, secret places. That's my big one. Like hidden in secret places. Wait, say more about what that trope is. Well, so, for example, like Lisa Claypass likes to do this in some of the, the novels of hers that we've read where there'll be like secret gardens or passageways yeah, yeah, or yeah. mazes like, or fountains where nobody goes. Those, those kind of things I love where lovers yeah. can go and just be together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, That's right. She does that in my favorite, the one with Pandora. Which one is that? I love that. Oh, yeah. The Devil in Spring. Yes. They get caught in a secret place, and so they have to get betrothed. (gasps) It's so good. We did the whole Wallflower series and Dreaming of You, so I'm like, we can't do more clay paths, but also I want to. (laughs) I want to do all the clay paths. She's incredible. She's, I mean, like. She's one of my all-time faves, although they all are. I it's that's why yeah. Any book I'm reading, I'm like, this is my favorite. I'm yeah. not very loyal. Um, but we've actually never read Julia Quinn for the podcast. Do you have a book to suggest to us? Oh well, so if you want to do like going dark in order to get light, the thing that I would recommend is Ten Things I Love About You. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is. It's, it is fantastic. And there's a really, um, you actually are scared for her, right? Like the young woman, you're afraid that she will really fall into poverty. Um, but it is funny and hijinks ensues and it is just, I haven't met anyone who I've recommended this book to and hasn't just fallen head over heels in love with it. Um, so that's the one I would recommend or obviously read any of the Bridgertons ever, especially before the Shondaland Netflix series comes out. Yeah. Do you have a favorite Bridgerton? Uh, it's like picking a favorite golden retriever puppy. Like, (laughs) sure, but do I? My favorite golden retriever puppy is Colin. Um, and I love that. I love the, um, the gossip columnist part of that one. So I think that's romancing Mr. Bridgerton, but they are all perfect books in their own way. Do you have a favorite Bridgerton? I mean, I feel like everyone says Colin. Oh, really? I didn't know I was such a cliche. <laughs> no, 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 no. But um, I I do love Gregory's book for the reason that you said of yeah. sort of the way that also, I forget his heroine's name, but how she is just it's, like sort of what? Isn't it Hermione? Oh, maybe. Or maybe yeah. it's the girl he almost falls in love with. But anyway. I, yeah, I just love the way that that one ends. And yeah. and I, it's such a, an amazing, like, full circle from how the book series began. But I agree. You can't go wrong with a Bridgerton. And if you want to start with the Duke and I. The Duke and I has some little issues with it. But I think overall it's, like, an excellent book. So, Julie, Julie and I um, want to write... Uh, an article sort of dealing with the difficulties of the Duke and I, I think she, you know, it's been almost 30 years, definitely been over 20 years. And I think she regrets some of the political dynamics of the Duke and I, um, in a way that 
yeah, like the it was yeah, it's a complicated there's a complicated sex scene in the Duke and I for sure. Yeah. And I get that from her and I mentioned to you off mic that I spoke with her. I didn't speak with her. She was at a panel and I was in the audience. Um, And she talked about that sort of thing of of wanting to go back. And 30 years ago, romance was also very, very different. It's, I don't hold that against her or her talent, but just, you know, let people know. No, it's distracting when reading the book. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Not to end on a sour note because we, we do love Julia Quinn. Oh no, she's, she's perfect. But I think that that's one of the great things to our point about how romance readers are a loving and forgiving crowd. I think that people know that she has evolved as a writer and as a thinker of sex scenes and, um, and yeah, and that it's fun that romance novels get written quickly enough to respond to the world. And so authors get to grow and change with their books. I think it's, you know, I think it's a testament both to Julia and to the genre. Yes. Great. Um, is there anything else, any other things you want to say or questions you wish that we had asked? Oh, before you're so we sweet. No, I could talk to you guys forever because it's just <laughs> geeking out about romance novels. This is the most fun thing ever. Oh, yeah. I mean, we literally started a podcast for this reason. So yes. <laughs> we understand a hundred percent. But um, we, yeah, we've both listened to the episodes. We really, really love them. They're super fun. Um, Bryce is the only one who's out and his was like so heartbreaking, but then ultimately hopeful like a romance novel. So mm-hmm. that was a that was a great episode. Um, Thank you. Ariana yeah. comes out on Tuesday. So you'll, I, there will be more soon. Awesome. All right. Great. So um could you want to let everybody know sort of how they can find you, find the podcast? Yeah. So you can, um, the, our website is hot and bothered rompod.com and you can write along with us and you can listen to hot and bothered wherever you are listening to this podcast. Um, and I am so excited to have discovered you guys and binged you all day today and <laughs> cannot wait to listen to you guys talk about red, white and royal blue so thank you for doing the work that you're doing. And thank you so much for having me on. Of, of course. course. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Thanks so much. Um, all right, bye. Bye. All right, how much do we love Vanessa? It's and great. Everybody's going to download the podcast. We've already listened to a few episodes. It's so great and hopeful and sort of everything that romance is. Um we also appreciate that you listen to this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, you can always, uh, if you enjoy it and you want a way to help us out, always rate, review, subscribe. I know every podcast says it. It's how people find us. So it is kind of really important for you to do um, if you feel like you want to do it. Um, and you guys have been great because mm-hmm. we have, we're a podcast that doesn't do publicity or ads or anything. And we have uh, 71 uh, as as we're recording this, we have 71 star ratings, which is like a lot for a podcast that isn't really super out there, but we want to get out there more. And that helps if you guys uh, rate and review. Yeah. So we so appreciate those who have taken the time and um, those who hopefully will take the time after this prompt. Um, and you can always find us on... Um you can always email us at learningthetropespodcast at gmail.com. If you have a suggestion for us, you have notes for us, you just want to say hi. We love getting emails. We're super happy to get them. Um, we're also on Twitter at Learning Tropes, and we're on Instagram at Learning the Tropes. Um, and like I mentioned earlier, we have our Facebook group. 
the Learning the Tropes troop. You'll get inside information early. Um, and so that is a great place to join. We ask you to answer questions. Spoiler alert, we'll let you in no matter what, as long as you're not a bot. Um, and we will see you there. And we'll see you next week. Yeah. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.